especially at our 11 o'clock hour when we have International Day as we conclude this month of black history. Today, our speaker is Dr. Carlton B. Dr. Carlton P. Bird, the senior pastor of the Berean Seventh-day Adventist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Ellen White, how our church prophet has said that there are no great men among us, <clears throat> meaning that no, none of us is great. No, all right. We're all just children of God. Amen. But God does do special things through special people. No great people among us. But occasionally, God touches an individual and says, this one, I want to do special things. And that is the case with our speaker today. He is one of the few and special whom God has given particular talents and abilities. And those are being demonstrated in his ministry in Atlanta. You should know that he is the fourth generation of Seventh-day Adventists. So that's all he knows is Seventh-day Adventists. Don't expect him to talk about anything much else because he's steeped in the message. He is, as you would guess, a graduate of Oakwood College. <laughs> among other institutions, including Andrews, where he received his Doctor of Ministry. So when we call him Dr. Bird, it's not because he got it handed over the fence at some fly-by-night institution. He Lots heard it the hard way. He got it the hard way. He is pastoring a church that has over 3,000 members, and every Sabbath, 2,400 or more people in attendance. Since he has been in Atlanta for the last two years, slightly over two years, over 800 people have been baptized. You'll be interested in knowing that just last week, HUD awarded his church over all of the other churches and groups that applied funds to build 50 units for underprivileged and senior citizens. There is so much more that could be said about our speaker. I think, though, that you get the point. You get the point. God has reared him in the home of an Adventist minister. His father, the senior Elderberry, is pastor of our large and prosperous church, Bethany, Seventh-day Adventist Church in Miami, Florida. He is, as I have said, nothing but an Adventist and Adventist preacher. We're happy that he could be with us today to take time from his busy pulpit and grace us with his presence. We look forward to the word as God has given it to him. And after the choir shall have sung again, we ask for you to welcome Dr. Bird. And oh yes, I must say that his wife is the daughter of a preacher. Just to round it off all the way. His wife, Danielle, is the daughter of a preacher. And I know he's a real man because all he has is girls. <laughs> Which makes him a 
He-Man among them. <laughs> well, as an astute preacher of the word, and we look forward to hearing God's voice through him after the choir shall have blessed us. Amen. And can we not give our choir a hearty amen? Amen. And let's give an amen as we welcome Dr. Bird. Amen. Thank you, Elder.
Let the church say amen. amen. Come on, you can be better than that. Let the church say amen again. Amen. I am so privileged and honored that I can be with you on this blessed Sabbath day when all God's children get together. Amen. What a time, what a time, what a time. And I want to have a good time in God today. What do you say, everyone? Amen. I want to thank your kind pastor, Dr. and Mrs. Calvin Rock. The Rocks are special to me, and I know they're special to you. And I praise God for their ministry. What do you say, everyone? And I'm grateful that they've been so kind and warm to invite me along with you, the Abundant Life family. Your pastor's here. There are some faces. I look out in the audience, and I know some folk here. And so I feel right at home. I've gone to school with some, pastored others. And so I feel right at home, and praise be to God today. As I was being driven up to the church this morning, my wife was on my cell phone. She said, baby, we out of church already. And I said, well, we're about to go in church. And she said, well, I pray you all have a good experience in God. And I said, I'm confident we will. I want to thank God for this choir. Come on, give them a hearty amen. Amen. The diversity of their music and worship today was spiritual and then a nice gospel selection. We praise God today. Now, as our musician continues to play, I want us to underscore again, because I believe repetition deepens the impression. Take, if you will, your Bibles and go with me to the book of Numbers. What book did I say, everyone? Numbers. Let's go to the book of Numbers. Good. I like you talking back to me. I believe that you got to talk back to the preacher. Amen? Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, and we're going to go to verse number 26 again. Pastor O'Bannon led us in our scripture, and we want to read again, as we believe again, that repetition deepens the impression. Numbers chapter 13, verse number 26. If you have it, let me hear you say amen. amen. The word of God says, And they went and came to Moses, and to Aaron, and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the wilderness of Paran, and to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them, and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, and said, We came unto the land, whither thou sittest us, and surely it floweth with what, everyone? Milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled, and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Enoch there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell on the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea, by the coast of Jordan. Verse 30, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses, and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are all well able to overcome it. But the man that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are what, everybody? Stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched until the, until the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. Verse 33. And there we saw the what? Come on, saw the what, everybody? Giants. Giants, the sons of Enoch, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Father God, now as we have come to the proclamation and speaking and preaching of your word, we pray that your Holy Ghost would breathe through the aisles of abundant life this morning. And oh God, may someone see Jesus 
and never be the same again. Now, God, hide me behind your cross. Forgive me of my sins. And, oh, Lord, when the appeal is made today, I pray that some man, woman, boy, and girl would give their life and heart to Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And, Lord, I beg of the forgiveness of sins. Let everyone say amen. Amen. And amen. Thank you so very much. All right, our subject today in harmony with black history is from the outhouse to the White House. From the outhouse to the White House. Now the Lord has blessed us. And I believe I can say that God has brought us a mighty long way. Truly we've come this far by faith. Leaning on the Lord. Do I have a witness in this place? And when we consider that it was 400 years ago that many of our foreparents were brought over to this country on cramped ships in the Middle Passage to serve as black slaves to white masters, eating scraps, picking cotton, working all day, being beaten, and holding residence in the slave master's outhouse, all because of the color of their skin, Truly we can say we've come this far by faith. When we remember that it was 300 years ago, these same black slaves constructed the steps to the United States Capitol. But it was on January the 20th, 2009, that a black man walked up on those same steps as the 44th president of the United States. Truly we've come this far by faith. 200 years ago, it was in 1809, that Abraham Lincoln, the great emancipator, was born. Mm -hmm. Then exactly 100 years later, in 1909, the NAACP was founded. And then 100 years later, 2009, Barack Obama became the 44th president of the United States of America. We've come this far by faith. Leading on the Lord, and we've gone from the outhouse, if you will, to the White House. Do I have a witness in this place? In a case today you have forgotten, man didn't do it. Legislation didn't do it. Congress didn't do it. The Republicans didn't do it. The Democrats didn't do it. Politics didn't do it. But God did it. God freed the slaves. God put civil rights in place. God put the Voting Act, uh, Voting Act's right, Rights Act of 1964 in order. God won the case in Brown versus Board of Education, stating that it was unconstitutional for segregation to exist in public schools. God protected James Meredith when he enrolled as the first black student at the University of Mississippi. God used Malcolm X. Martin King and Nelson Mandela. God raised up President Barack Obama. It was God. God led us from the outhouse to the White House. And don't you let anybody tell you it was anybody other than God because it was nobody but God because if God before us, who can be against us? It was in this moving I Have a Dream speech that Dr. King quoted Isaiah 40, verses 4 and 5, and said, I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. Every hill and mountain shall be made, and oh, the rough places will be made plain, and the 
Crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed yeah. and all flesh shall see it together. Yeah. I have a dream, said Dr. King, a dream of God's justice on earth. A dream of rough places made plain and flesh seeing it together. A dream of blacks and whites sitting down together at the table of brotherhood. A dream of oppression and injustice being transformed into freedom and justice. A dream that one day black children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the contents of their character. He said, I have a dream. Yes. This is the dream of all who know that God is completely and totally serious when he says in Isaiah 1, verses 6 and 17, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, and plead for the widow. I'm here to let you know, in every time and in every place, faithful people are challenged to seek justice and rescue the oppressed. Whether the pressing issue of the day is voting rights, segregation, affordable housing, immigration reform, or fair treatment in the workplace. In every community and in every era, each of us is challenged to follow God on the long march into the light of freedom, equality, and justice. And I'm here to say that when you follow God, God always leads his dear children along. God will lead from the outhouse to the White House. One of the advantages of being a child of God is that God is always, as I'm learning in my life, moving people to higher levels. But I've also learned that whenever God is moving you to a higher level, get ready because there's also a higher devil. But every experience that God has allowed us to experience from the outhouse to the White House, it is preparing us for the next level. Everything that you're going through in your life, even you sitting in the pew today, is preparing you for the next experience. And so regardless of what you go through in this life, you ought to learn how to thank God for whatever you're going through. Because when you're going through things, it's really God's only example, God's only testimony to you that he's getting ready to do something greater in your life. Amen. You really want to know? If God is getting ready to do something in your life and it appears the devil has picked you out to pick on you, yeah. well, you ought to be somebody shouting right now. Because that means God is getting ready to do something greater in somebody's life. And so, brothers and sisters, I want you to hear me good this Sabbath morning. Because God did not call us out of the outhouse to the White House to go back in the outhouse. God is not a God that goes backwards. God goes forward because wherever there is no progress, there's no growth. And wherever there is no growth, there's no life. And wherever there is no life, God's not in it. And where life is, there is growth. And where growth is, there is progression. And understand, as followers of Christ, there are stages in our lives that each of us go through. First of all, uh, one stage, and the first stage we have to understand is this thing called Egypt. Everybody say Egypt. Egypt. Talk back to me, Egypt. And then there's the wilderness. Everybody say the wilderness. wilderness. And then finally, number three, the promised land. Everybody say the promised land. Amen. Now, in many of our lives, and I believe I've got some witnesses in this place, we've been through enough Egypts. 
represents bondage. Egypt represents slavery. Egypt represents the outhouse. But then understand, the next stage is the wilderness. And the wilderness represents the meantime. It represents that place between blessings, if you will. It represents that period of ambiguity, that period where I know God is doing something in my life, but I really don't know what. And so all of us in this place have been in the wilderness. But then, friends of mine, there's another level. There's another place. Once we get out of Egypt, once we get through the wilderness, I want to let you know that there is a place called the promised land. Hallelujah, somebody. There is a place called the promised land. It can be parenthetically understood today as the White House. And I want you to understand this, brothers and sisters, because so many believers, we get close to the promised land and we miss it. We get on the brink. We get there where God promised us. We get there. We can see what God says he's going to do for us, but then we miss it. But I came to let somebody know today. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to be satisfied with just getting close. I want to get in. Do I have another witness in this place? I'm not satisfied with getting close to the promised land, close to the White House. I want to go in the promised land. I want to go in the White House. I want to go into God's great heaven. And so I wonder, is there anybody like me? Is there anybody who's tired of being close? Anybody who today who wants what God has for your life? If you want what God has for your life, you have to make up in your mind, I'm too close to miss it. And I refuse to stay in slavery. I refuse to remain in the outhouse. And so I want you to see something. Because the children of Israel, and I've learned this, God's chosen people had been on a journey on their way through the promised land. They had left Egypt, left the outhouse. They had escaped the fiery hand of Pharaoh. God made a Red Sea out of a dry highway. God provided manna in the wilderness. They were now right at the promised land right at the White House, and the Bible declares that right there at Kadesh, they sent some spies out. The Bible says the spies viewed the land. They said, yeah, it's what God said it was. Yes, it is. It's exactly what God said. But then an evil report came back and said, we can't do it. Now, one report says we can do it. Another report says we can't do it because we are as grasshoppers in their sight. But if we're going to the promised land, if we're going to make it to the White House, we have to be delivered from what I call outhouse mentality. Now, I've learned as I get older in life that many people prefer slavery. They prefer to be oppressed. When Moses led the children of Israel from the slavery of Egypt to the freedom of the promised land, Moses discovered that slaves do not always welcome their deliverers. Some people prefer the flesh pots of Egypt over the liberties of emancipation. So I want to share with you three things to help you understand what happens when you get close to the steps of the White House and how to make it in. Number one, you have to be delivered from an outhouse Egyptian attitude. Let me say that again. You have to be delivered from an Egyptian attitude. Now I want you to see this because there's one area that we've got to work on and don't miss this. And understand there's one area we have to work on and not missing what God has for our lives. It's our attitude. 
Everybody say attitude. Make sure you're with me. Preaching and workshop all in one. Now, it's one thing, this should be good. It's one thing to be delivered from the outhouse. But it's another thing to get the outhouse out of you. The reason why the Israelites are struggling to go to the White House in the Promised Land is because of the effects of their Egyptian experience. Egypt was bondage. Egypt was slavery. The Massa, Pharaoh, told them when. Pharaoh told them where. Pharaoh told them how. Pharaoh shaped their self-esteem. And Pharaoh represents here a system. A system that seeks to control and manipulate. And if you've been in bondage to the system, it creates a mindset that becomes institutionalized to the system. And before long, you begin to think that you can never be anything, you can never do anything, because Pharaoh has tainted your attitude. Although you've been delivered out of Pharaoh's house, Pharaoh is still in your house. Numbers 13, 27, the word of God says, And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and what? Honey. And this is the fruit of it. Verse 28. But nevertheless, the word says, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Mm -hmm. Now, Israel means chosen. Come on, say chosen. 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 Israel means chosen. And when you realize that you and I, when we realize that we are chosen people of God, mm -hmm. when we realize who we are, then we will begin to seek deliverance from this outhouse Egyptian mentality that tries to keep us from experiencing and having what God has for our lives. Some people think they can't just do it. Some people think they can't be delivered from an Egyptian attitude. You see, Egyptian attitude relies on excuses. I'm not supposed to be anything. Mama wasn't anything. Grandma wasn't anything. I'm not supposed to be anything. But can we talk? Y'all know he told y'all got a couple of degrees, but I'm just going to be real and transparent right now. Is that all right, everybody? Talking about Egyptian mentality. Everybody say Egypt. Egypt. Egypt mindset, listen to me, young folk, listen to me good. Egypt mindset says, go out, buy an expensive car. Buy a Mercedes. Buy a BMW. Buy a Lexus. Buy a Cadillac. Put some rims on it. Put some 20s on it. <laughs> put some spinners on it. But then live with your mama. And you don't even try to buy a house. Everybody say Egypt. Egypt says, go ahead, get a credit card, max it out, dress nice, put all those good clothes on, fat farm, baby fat, Nietzsche, Versace, Louis Vuitton, Prada, you name it, you get it. Don't even worry about paying the balance off. As a matter of fact, Pharaoh says, I'll give you a loan to buy a car, but I'm not giving you a loan to buy a house. Go ahead, look good, but stay broke. Everybody say Egypt. Egypt says, go ahead, buy. Go ahead and get a big flat screen TV. Even if it means you have to pay rental center $50 for 50 years to do it, and when it's all said and done, you bought 
flat screen TVs for the price of one. Everybody say Egypt. Egypt says, go ahead. Send, spend $50 a month for cable. But don't even invest $50 in your future. Everybody say Egypt. It's the biggie. Egypt says, go ahead on. Make as many babies as you want. You don't have to work. You just let Pharaoh take care of them. Don't worry about it. Pharaoh will raise your children. And when Pharaoh gets through raising your children, don't get mad at Pharaoh. You didn't pay him any attention. When the cell phone was ringing, you didn't pay him any attention. When you saw the pants sagging off their waist, you didn't pay him any attention. Don't worry about it. Pharaoh won't even give them 30000 a year for college, but he'll pay 30000 a year to put them in jail. Somebody say Egypt. Egypt mentality says we've always done church this way. We've never and will never try new things. We'll never grow. We'll never start that church school. We're not supposed to grow. We're not supposed to be big. We can't be big. No, you'll never be big as long as little's got you. You'll never be big as long as you're practicing eight-track ministry in an MP3 society. Everybody say Egypt. But I've come to tell somebody today, I'm not going back to the outhouse. You will have a witness in this place. I'm tired of Egyptian mentality. I'm tired of outhouse attitudes. I'm tired of negative folk. I'm tired of visionless folk. If you can't see it, I tell folk, get out of my way. I know what God's word says. God's word says that he will supply every one of my needs according to his riches and glory. Let me tell you, you don't need Egypt folk in your house. You don't need Egypt folk riding with you in your car. You don't need Egypt folk around you because if they can't see what God has for you, then they don't have any business around you. Do I have a witness in this place? Our God is a big God. He's a what kind of God, everybody? God wants to do big things. And let me tell you this. Let me throw this in. I'm so glad that President Barack Obama didn't have outhouse mentality or Egyptian mindset. If he did, he'd be saying right now, I should have run for president. I could have run for president. I would have run for president. I should have, could have, would have. But instead, he said, yes, we can. Point number two. Secondly, you have to desire to engage in action. All right. Repeat after me. You have to want to do something. Now, Israel is faced with two reports. One report that says what God said it would be positive, but the other one is talking about the problems, the negative. The Bible says that the spies went up to view the land. And there's a spiritual principle that I want to share with you because if you're going to get to the promised land, if you're going to walk in the White House, then you have to understand how God deals with his people. You and I, we have to want to do something to get what we're supposed to get or go where we want to go. If you want to go to heaven, you have to do something. If you want to go to hell, do nothing. Let me make this practical. Again, this is for the young people trying to blend everything in one. Let me make it practical. If you want a job, you've got to get up and go fill out an application. You have to get up 
and develop a resume. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. I want you to see this. God allowed Israel to see it. It's one thing to have heard about it, but it's another thing to see it. God let them see it so that they would know he has promised and is able to perform it. Listen, yeah, we saw it. Here's the evidence in our hands. That's, yes, it's God's, what he said it would be. Now, seeing something implies vision. Everybody say vision. vision. Now, where there is no vision, the Bible says the people are and the reason why some folk I'm learning in my life don't do anything is because they've never seen anything. Vision, first of all, is hindsight. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Vision has to know where you've come from. You see, some folk, you've forgotten where you've come from. Now because you've got a little house, a nice house, a little car, got some money, you've forgotten where the Lord has brought you from. Vision has to remember how far the Lord has brought you from many dangers, toils, and snares. I have already come. You haven't always had a nice car. You haven't always had nice clothes that you can pick out and say, I'm going to wear black today and blue tomorrow. Somebody here remembers today when you knew what you were going to wear every day because you were going to wear the same thing. You had to the same thing. Somebody knew what they were going to eat because you ate the same thing every day. Vision says, I know from whence I come. But then not only is vision hindsight, but vision is insight. Everybody say insight. Because vision has to know what God is doing right now. There are some folks you're sitting around right now and you don't realize what God is doing in our midst. Prophecy is coming to pass. Read Joel 2. Prophecy is coming to pass. Understand, in the last days, the Bible says that God is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. There's a mighty move of God taking place right now. And some people, you have to know what God is doing in your life. God is even doing something in some folks' homes. What do I mean by that? Some of your children are quoting more scripture than you can quote. You have to know that God is pouring out his spirit. You have to know what God is doing in the here and the now. So you have hindsight. You have insight, but then you have to have foresight. Mm -hmm. But you have to know where God is getting ready to take you. Mm -hmm. Understand, I believe that all the reformers, all the movers and shakers in history had to know that God was getting ready to take them somewhere. And we don't have to worry about that foresight because Elmite says in Life Sketches, we have nothing to fear for the future itself, lest we forget how God has led us in the past. So here, we got to have vision. we got to be willing to do something. Understand that we have to have the hindsight, the insight, and the foresight. But let me share some with you. Everybody say, see it. See it. I feel real comfortable here. Say, see it again. Say, see it. See it. You see, God in vision will let you see it. All right. Now, some folk will give excuses, and they'll say, we don't have the money for this. We don't have the money for that. Let me tell you, my ministry, I've been pastoring 15 years now. I've never had a vision for ministry that I could afford. Come on now. If I could afford it, then I wouldn't have faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I've never had a vision for ministry that I could afford. I'm saying that. You gotta have vision, hindsight, insight, and foresight. Let me share something with you. Say see it again. See it. God let the children of Israel see it. But once you see it, you have to say it. Come on, say say it. And then once you Say it. You have to seize it. Everybody say seize it. So then I see it, I say it, and then I seize it. Somebody's going to get this in a minute. The Bible says 
they saw it. But what they said allowed them to miss it. When God shows you something, when God shows you the promised land, when God lets you see the White House steps, you better be careful what comes out of your mouth. The Bible says the power of life and death is in your tongue. And the moment you sit around talking about we can't do that, I can't ever do that, we will never be that, I will never be that, you are speaking those things into existence. Don't you know who you are? You've got stuff that other folk don't have. You've got to speak those things into existence as if it has already happened in your life. You have to learn how to say, hey, I'm speaking those things as if they already were. Do I have a witness in this place? You have to speak it. You can't sit around and say like the children of Israel did. Oh, we are just grasshoppers in their sight. Come on. Now I can stop and preach a whole sermon on that text. Notice. In the Bible, the text does not say the enemy or their enemy called them grasshoppers. They called themselves grasshoppers. Those giants were like, we know who you are. God is with you. But because they didn't know who they were. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Let me go on the slide go back to the Don't you realize that when you're walking somewhere, the devil knows who you are. Yeah. We are sitting on a pound of dynamite. Yeah. Holy Ghost dynamite. Yeah. I dare you to sit around with your heads down talking about, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm afraid to do this. I'm afraid to do that. The devil knows who you are. Why don't you give God before us to be against us? Rather than concentrating on the wrong thing, you have to learn to start concentrating on the right thing. Once you speak it into existence, you can seize it. Now watch this. Seizing it means I claim it before it's even in my hands. Now that should make somebody want to shout right there. Because whenever God has shown me something, and whenever I begin to speak that thing into existence, I can make claim on it even before I get it in my hand. Y'all not hearing me, are you? The reason why some of us can't seize it is because we speak ourselves out of it. Negative folk can't seize it. But what God has for you, it is for you. The devil can't take it. Once you see it, you have to say it, and once you say it, you have to seize it. Everybody say seize. Say say it. Say seize it. I'm talking about that job. I'm talking about that degree. I'm talking about making it through this economic recession. I'm talking about that breakthrough. I'm talking about healing for your body. You gotta see it, you gotta say it, and you gotta seize it. The reason why some of you are never gonna get the miracle is because you never say anything. But you need to open up your mouth and say something. Yeah. Debt free. Yeah. All of our debts are canceled. Cancer gone. Your child is coming back to the Lord. See it. Say it. Seize it. Do I have a witness in this place? I feel the anointing of God coming in right now. You got to look over your problems and you got to learn to say, I see it, devil. I know what you're putting in front of me, but I see it, and I'm going to say it, and I've got it in my hands before it even comes. And when you get it in your hands, you've got to shout, and you've got to let the devil know. 
You've got to let the devil know. I may not have it physically, but I've got it spiritually. And whenever God decides to give it to me, it's all right with me because he's just all right. He's just all right. He's just all right with me. See it. Saints. Jesus. One more thing and I'm through. We get to run the devil on out of here. Do I have a witness in this place? I want you to know that you've got to be determined, number three, to enter the promised land, the White House, with authority. You've got to learn how to come in with authority. Yes. Problem with Israel, like many of us, is we get close. We don't get in because we get scared. We've never done it like that before. I can't do it. Too many obstacles. Too many problems. Too many barriers. Too much outhouse. But the reason why they're afraid is because they don't know who they are. God has been with you, Israel. When you were in Egypt, God brought you out. There's an anointing on your life. God protected you in the wilderness. He brought water out of a rock. He let manna fall from heaven when you were hungry. You never changed your clothes. God just set up a dry cleaners in the desert, and you woke up every morning with the same thing on. Snakes bit you, but you didn't die because Moses lifted up his rod and you were healed. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The problem is you have forgotten. You're walking around scared, talking about, I don't know how I'm going to do it. How are we going to do it? I just can't go on. But thank God, hallelujah, for Caleb. Caleb says in verse 30, Caleb stilled the people. The Bible says, he said, shh, shh, shh. Let's go up at once and possess it. He says, we are very well able to overcome. Not like that. I think I'm here right there. You know why you're able? Not because you're able. But because he's able. Just like God freed the slaves in America. God freed the slaves in Egypt. God got you out of Egypt. Got you through the wilderness. So I come to let somebody know. He can get you to the promised land. Too many folk get content with closeness. Yeah. You know that they get close, but they're not going in. But I don't know about you, but I've come too far to be playing with the devil. I've come too far. I've been through much, through too much, be tiptoeing around the promised land. I tell my church all the time, I'm not going to hell for anybody. Wondering, should I go in? Should I not go in? I've been through too many trials, had too many folks talk about me, too many folks hate on me, too many folks to doubt on me to be playing with the devil. And if I've come this far, I have made up in my mind that I'm not going to sit around and whether or not I'm going in. I'm going in under authority. I'm walking up in the White House. I'm going to help somebody. You walk around like you're scared. But I'm going in. So many people, you know, people live all their lives. They never get in. It'd be a shame for us to come to church, sing, shout, say amen, sweat, and not make it in. Do I have a witness in this place? Let me go this way. Uh, pass me down just to say There was a boy. Young boy. He had a father talking about going in with authority. Remember, number one, get rid of Egyptian mentality. Number two, you have to do something. Then number three, you got to go in with authority. There was a boy. He had a father who really didn't know his father as well as he should. The father sent him on a long trip. And his father gave him a letter and said, Now, son, take this 
letter and I want you to go to this city. And when you get to the city, you'll understand. His boy went. His father didn't tell him where to go. His father just told him to go that way. Has God ever done somebody like that? He just told you to go that way. Somebody be like, you didn't plan on landing in Las Vegas, but God told you to go that way. You said, Lord, you didn't tell me how long it was going to take to get there. You didn't tell me what street. You just pointed. Lord, when? When, Lord? Boy was on the road. It started raining. He went through all the elements. Snakes were snapping at him. Lions were roaring at him. Dogs were barking at him. But the boy kept going. A year passed. Boy was trying to figure it all out. What's the purpose in it all? I still haven't gotten to where my father told me where I was supposed to be. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The years can just roll in your life. And you say, Lord, I still haven't gotten to the place where I'm supposed to be. After two years, the boy got to the city. He got there about three o'clock in the morning and there were some guards standing by the gate. They were holding their posts. The city was on lockdown. Boy had been through the storm. He had been through the rain. He had been through sickness and through pain. The boy was limping. Soldiers stood guard right there. And the boy stood there crying, excuse me, sir. I'm supposed to get in this gate. Soldier said, son, you're going to have to come back Monday morning. It's Friday now. We're locked down. And so you're going to have to come back on Monday. The boy began to go back in the recesses of his mind. And he began to think about how far he had come. He said, sir, I've been on this road for two years. And you mean to tell me I have to wait three more days? Then the little boy remembered the letter his father gave him. Now remember, he didn't even know his father like he should have known him. But he took out the letter and he said to the soldier, excuse me, my daddy told me to give you this letter. The soldier opened up the letter and he began to read the letter. And unbeknownst to the boy what was in the letter, the soldier turned around to his fellow soldiers and he said, open up the gates. The king's son is here. I've come to tell somebody on my way to heaven on my way to the promised land that you've got a word and I don't care what the devil says. All you have to do is let the devil know I've got a letter from my dad. Open up the gates. I'm coming in by force. I've been through too much to miss it now. Is there anybody else who's going in? This is it. You've waited too long. You've been through too much. You've had too many trials. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to live in an earthly hell and then turn around and die in an eternal hell. I'm the head, 
not the tail. I'm out of the outhouse and I'm not going back. Let me tell you something. Some of you need to go on your job Monday morning. And you need to tell your boss, I've got a note from my dad. Some of you got trials and troubles that are awaiting you, but you need to let somebody know, I've got a note from my dad that I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Anybody got a note from their dad? Somebody, you better go to the doctor this week and say, excuse me, I've got a note from my dad. By his stripes, I am here. Somebody here, somebody's been messing with you. Somebody's been talking about you. Somebody's been doing you wrong. You better read the note from your daddy. Fret not thyself because of evil doers. Neither be thou envious of the workers of iniquity. Because soon God's going to cut them down like the grass. Somebody retired. Sick of recession. Sick of crime. Sick of trouble. Read the note from your daddy. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many nations. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'd go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. President Barack Obama, during this election season, before, during the season, he was asked if he believed his election as the President of the United States of America was a fulfillment of Dr. Martin Luther King's dream. I thought about that question for a moment, and I began to ponder. And I began to go into the theological spheres of my mind, and then the political and social spheres, and the academic spheres of my mind. And I began to really think about my own answer. Was Obama's election a fulfillment of King's dream? I began to think about that thing. I said, now, Dr. King's speech, I Have a Dream, was given in 1963. But King died in 1968. In fact, the last speech that King gave was not, I have a dream. But the night before he died in Memphis, Tennessee, he didn't say, I have a dream. But he spoke of the difficult days ahead. He spoke of the uncertainty of his life. He said that he had been to the mountains. He had seen the promised land. He said, I may not get there with you. But I want you to know that we as a people will get to the promised land. He said, and I'm happy. He said, I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. He said, my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. So from that, I believe that every true dream from every Adventist Christian should be not making it to the earthly White House as President of the United States. But we should desire to make it to the heavenly White House as a child of the King. I'm going from the outhouse of life to the White House of God's kingdom. God's got something better for me 
than 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Because eyes have not seen, neither ears heard, the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. So, I'm tired of being a slave to sin. I'm tired of the outhouses of this earth. I want to be free. Does anybody else want to be free today? And I'm here to let you know that if the Son, Jesus, sets you free, you shall be free indeed. I don't know your background. I don't know your walk of life. But I know this. Jesus died for you. I know this. Jesus loves you. I know this. Jesus died to save you. And I'm inviting you today to come out of the outhouse. And let's get ready to go in the White House of God's kingdom. Do I have a witness in it? God right now. God right now. God, we are ridding ourselves right now of Egyptian outhouse mentality. God, we are recognizing secondly that, Lord, we got to want to do something to get to the promised land. And then, oh Lord, when we get there, we're going to walk in with authority. We're not going to walk around scared. But Lord, we're going to walk in with authority. Hallelujah, home at last. The redeemed, oh God, home at last. Now, Lord God, today, somebody is enslaved. Somebody is in shackles. Somebody is tied up and chained up. But Lord, right now, God the Father, in the name of Jesus, through the intercession of the Holy Ghost, God, somebody needs to be set free in abundant life today. Not next week, not next month, not next year, but Lord, today, somebody needs to move from the outhouse and walk on into the White House of your love, White House of your joy, White House of your peace, oh God, right now. So Lord, move right now. Forgive me of my sins right now. Because Lord, you're speaking to men, women, boys, and girls right now. And so Lord, I want you to move like you've never moved before. Move us out of the outhouse and move us to the White House of your love. Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed. And you're praying for the people of God. There's a man, there's a woman, there's a boy, there's a girl. And you come to church today and the Holy Spirit has gotten a hold of you. It may have been through a song. It may have been through a prayer, a testimony, a children's story. It may have been through the spoken word. But the Holy Ghost has gotten on your way. And God is speaking to your hearts. And I dare you to leave this service today without making your calling and election sure with the Lord. The Lord has done too much for you. The Lord has kept you from serpents. The Lord has kept you from lions. The Lord has kept somebody from your own self. And so while you have the opportunity, say, Pastor Bird, Pastor Rock, I'm going to give you my hand, but I'm giving Jesus my heart. Somebody today, it might be rebaptism, it might be baptism, but today you know you need to join this ministry. You need to join this church. You need to be a part of this wonderful Advent remnant message. Today, your cry should be passed me down to the Savior. Hear my humble cry while another's thou are calling. Do not pass me by. We're going to sing that song. And you're going to get out of your seat and say the world behind me and the cross of Christ before me. I'm not worried about anybody sitting next to me because they don't have a heaven or hell for me. But I'm going to take a walk for Jesus right now. And I'm going to give Jesus my heart. You want to join this ministry? It could be my profession of your faith. It could be my baptism, rebaptism, some more transfer of your membership. You might have relocated to the Las Vegas area. And God has called you to this place, this ministry. 
I want you to gather your seat as we sing that chorus. We're going to all stand on our feet. I'm going to help you out. Let's stand on our feet. Let's stand. Let's sing that chorus. That verse. And as we stand and sing it, I want you to come down here. I'll come get you. I'll come help you. This is the greatest decision you can make in your life. And while you get have the opportunity, I want you to come right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
come. Somebody, you're in the outhouse of addiction. You're in the outhouse of bondage and bad habits. Somebody, you're in the outhouse where your marriage is bad or you and your children aren't making it. Somebody, you're in the outhouse financially. Somebody, you're in the outhouse physically. You're sick and it seems you can't get well. Somebody, you're in the outhouse spiritually. Something's wrong. You pray, but you don't sense the pacifying presence of the Holy Ghost. Somebody else will hear sermons, but they just come and they just go. And you need to move from the outhouse. I'm going to get out of it. And I'm going to let God get in it to you. And God is going to speak to you. And you know you need to walk down this aisle and say, Lord, I've got to have out of the outhouse. I'm not going to be embarrassed. I'm not going to worry about people, what they're going to say when I come down. Because I just want to make sure there's nothing between my soul and the soul. Whoever you are, I'm going to step out and I'm going to let God speak to you. And you're going to come down this aisle. Are you here? If you're here, come on. I'm getting out. I'm going to get out. I'm going to get out. I'm going to get in. God bless you. There's somebody else. There's somebody else. God bless you, brother. There's somebody else. I'm going to get out. I'm going to stop talking. You cannot go out of this church and leave the same way you came. God's going to hold you accountable for this time. You got to move right now. Are you here? Are you here? God is breathing in you life right now, and He wants you to have it more abundantly, but you gotta move right now. Somebody, you need to unite with the abundant life family. Wherever you are, you need to come right now. Get rid of Egyptian attitude and mentality. You have to do something, and you gotta walk in with authority. Are you here? Your heads about your eyes closed. Dr. Rock's going to close. He's going to close. And even as he prays, you come. Even as he prays, you come. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your stately stepping among us today that we have heard your message, your voice through your manservant, Dr. Bird. Thank you for the word you put on his heart, so relevant, so up-to-date, so, so practical and logical and so needed. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who has accompanied the word to instruct us to encourage us, to inspire us, and to empower us. Yes. And most of all, we thank you for Jesus, who is the center of that word. For his love, for his sacrifice upon the cross of Calvary. And that sacrifice has already drawn these several who have come forward. Some for baptism, some for rededication. We thank you. And even those of us who did not respond by coming forward, we've made decisions in our lives. We've decided to leave the outhouse mentality, the outhouse experience, and 
to walk out of this sanctuary today stronger and more determined than we've ever been. And may your word be as seed in good soil. Yes. To sprout forth fruits and works of righteousness. May our husbands, our wives, our children, our neighbors, our friends see in us not tomorrow, but today. May they see the improvements in our lives. As we march on toward the White House of your coming. Yes. We thank you, dear Lord. And we surrender. We ask you to break every chain, every habit, every addiction. That we might be free at last. Yes. That we might soar forward higher and ever upward in your love. Covered by the robe of Jesus' righteousness. Forgiven by his blood. Till at last we shall see him face to face. And there cast our crowns at his feet. And his dear name repeat in thanksgiving. For the way he brought us from sin to salvation. Yes. We ask in his name with total thanks and praise. Amen. 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 Shall we be seated, please?